ladies. Welcome to the Virtue Podcast. My name is Wendy McGinnis, and today we're talking all things friendship. I'm so glad that you decided to push play on this podcast because I firmly believe that female friendships can be either one of the biggest blessings or one of the biggest challenges in our adult lives. They can be joy-giving or joy-stealing. Am I right or am I right? As Christian women, it's important for us to discuss how we can find foster, and nurture these female relationships. Because when healthy relationships exist, we can provide encouragement, accountability, and support for one another. In unhealthy relationships, we can struggle with jealousy, discontentment, and disputes. God gives us plenty of instruction in His Word that can guide us into these healthy relationships. I believe our friendships, when done well, can point people to Jesus. It is our job to let our light shine brightly in our lost world so that others see a difference in us and our relationships. So over the next 20 minutes or so, we're going to discuss some practical ways to be a better friend. Before we dive in, though, I do want to confess that I am not the perfect friend. At times, I'm selfish, I make mistakes, and I'm very human. So please know that I'm trying to grow in these areas, too. As you listen, I want you to resist the urge to think, I wish so-and-so was here listening to this, or Susie would be a way better friend if she did that. Instead, I hope we can all focus on the areas where each of us can improve as a friend. While I'm not opposed to you sharing this podcast with friends, listen with ears of self-reflection. Today, we won't consider it selfish to focus on yourself. When I was asked to share on this topic, I immediately had a flashback to the very first verse my daughter learned and memorized in preschool. They could have taught these little three-year-olds wonderful verses like, Your word is truth, or pray without ceasing, or I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But for some reason, they chose 1 Thessalonians 5.11, and it says, Encourage one another and build each other up. Why do you think they taught them this verse first? I think it was because preschool is about learning how to interact well with others. As parents and adults, we realize that we have to teach our children the fundamentals of friendship. Basically, how to make friends and how to be a good friend. This verse stresses that friendship doesn't just happen. It's a practice. It requires intentional effort with our words, a positive perspective, and actions that build up those around you encourage one another, and build each other up. When read in the light of friendship, doesn't this verse speak to the core of how we should treat others? Webster's definition of a friend is a person whom one knows and with whom one has a bond of mutual affection. So much jumps out just from that definition alone, so let's break it down. Someone who one knows. To know someone, you have to spend time with them. Knowledge comes with time spent and conversation shared. A bond. A bond means there's a connection. If one is affected by something, so is the other. And then mutual affection means both individuals care about one another and invest into each other. Hopefully, it's a two-way, mutually beneficial relationship. Some of you may be listening and thinking, I don't have any close female friends. You may be lonely and in need of a new friend. Or maybe you've pushed play because you're thriving in friendship and you just love discussing community. Or maybe you're listening because you have a really tough friendship challenge and you're hoping to gain insight on how to remedy your friendship-related issue. The good news is that God's Word offers us instruction to address all of these needs. I told you what Webster says, but more importantly, I want to tell you what the Bible says about friendship. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. We tell this to our children, but it applies to us as adults as well. 
Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10 says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. And then Proverbs 18, 24 says, One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. These verses remind me that we can be an example to non-believers, our daughters, and anyone who witnesses our God-based friendships. So how can we be the friend that God intended us to be? I have eight tips based on scripture that will be our guiding light. Do these eight and you will be doing great. So number one, pray for the friend you need. Philippians 4, 6 supports this instruction. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. If you're listening because you're lonely, pray for the specific friendship you need. Five years ago, our family decided to homeschool and I was terrified. I wasn't a teacher by trade and I was so worried that I was going to ruin my children and make them weird by pulling them out of traditional school. So what did I do? I started praying desperately for a new friend friend. I needed a friend that was experienced in homeschooling and that could encourage me in this new season. Not only did I personally pray, I asked everyone I knew to pray that same request. And you know what? God delivered. She was experienced. She was laid back so she could calm my intensity. And she walked side by side with me because her kids were the exact same age as mine. He answered my request with exactly the friend I needed in this season. About a month ago, I was chatting with another girlfriend who wanted a new friend that aligned with her season of life. She has littles and wanted to find a friend that naturally overlapped with her current schedule and filled that void of a fellow preschool mom in the thick of nap times, toddler tantrums, and breastfeeding. So we started praying about it. That verse claims, in everything by prayer, let your request be made known to God. So that means our friendships too. For her, her prayer was for a, a playdate friend. Those early mom years can feel isolating and lonely. We need a fellow friend in the thick of it who understands and relates. So I encouraged her and said, step one, we pray. Step two, put yourself out there. When you're at the gym, at your kids' sports or school, at work, smile at people, look up from your phone, make eye contact, say hello, compliment someone, sign up for a small group. It's like dating, ladies, but for friends. You have to do your part to connect. So if you need a friend, pray specifically for your need. It may be a friend for a reason, a friend for a season, or a friend for a lifetime, but God will provide that friend. It may not be in your exact timing or maybe even who you would have exactly thought. So be patient in your waiting on God and don't forget to do your part by being friendly. Mark eleven twenty four promises, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Number two is be the friend that you want. Philippians 2, 3 through 4 says, Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. My life is very full, and at times, I feel like I don't have a minute to spare. I sometimes like to tell myself that I don't have time to make new friends. I barely have time for the friends that I have. But then I think, am I making an effort to connect and be a friend in the places I already am? Or am I just living in my own little bubble? God has called us as Christians to be salt and light, to encourage one another and build each other up. In order to do that, we need to take an interest in others. You may not need a new friend, but someone else may need you. When I began to embrace this mentality, a whole new community opened up to me. I found one of my best friends at the gym, and I grew a community of baseball and soccer mom friends that have brought so much joy into my life. What I'm trying to stress is that you may find an unexpected friend in a casual way if you put a little effort in, or 
you may be the new friend someone else desperately needs. To take it one step further, if you're in a friendship that feels a little one-sided at the moment, it may require some humility to continue to love and support that friend. In different seasons, you may need to be the friend that pursues more frequently, gives without keeping track, and forgives readily. If your friend is struggling in a tough season, extend them some extra grace. If this becomes a long-term pattern, then you may need to establish some healthy boundaries because if you remember back to our definition, it's a bond of mutual affection. Moving on to number three, forgive one another and be gracious. Colossians 3.13 says, Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. When considering this verse, how can we hold on to our grievances when we've been personally forgiven by God? You might be thinking, you have no idea what she did to me. You know what? You're right. I don't know the specifics, but I do know that this verse tells us to forgive. Forgiveness doesn't mean staying in an unhealthy relationship without boundaries, but it does mean forgiving and moving forward so we don't stay stuck and bitter. Unforgiveness hurts everyone, but most of all, ourselves. If we are tough on ourselves and tender on our friends, we will likely be gracious when it comes to forgiveness. A question to ask ourselves is, what can we improve in ourselves and in our conflict that we can control? And how can we move forward? As women, I think at times we can fall into that trap of responding more emotionally rather than logically. We need to retrain ourselves to pause before we respond to avoid saying something we would regret in the heat of the moment. Always, always, always start by giving your friend the benefit of the doubt. Assume they have good intentions rather than assuming the opposite. Start with the belief that they are a good-willed person. You chose them as a friend for a reason. When we shift our mindset to believing the best of our friends, our responses tend to be more appropriate. So how do we resolve conflict after we forgive? That's number four. Communicate rather than fester. Proverbs 17.9 says, Love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. I've come to learn that it is better to have an uncomfortable conversation rather than to sweep something under the rug and live in the unspoken. Oftentimes, it's a misunderstanding or a sensitivity rather than the scenario I've created in my head. Some people do this with their husbands, too. Ask me how I know. He doesn't call during the day to check in or forgets to call on his way home to give me an ETA for dinner, and all of a sudden, our thoughts spiral. He doesn't love me. He doesn't care about how hard I'm working to be a keeper of the home. He doesn't notice me. He doesn't think about me. Where do these thoughts come from, ladies? Who knows? They are not rational or true. But sometimes our insecurities come out of us, so we need to communicate rather than fester. The same thing happens with friendships. We aren't invited to something, or they post a picture, and we're not in it, and we think, they don't like me, or I must have done something wrong, or I must have looked terrible in that picture we took together because she didn't post that one. We think and do irrational things. Instead of jumping to conclusions, we need to talk to our friends about our insecurities, our mistakes, and our feelings. More often than not, a simple conversation about something of concern will end up bringing our friendships even closer rather than creating a divide. Years ago, we had an unexpected issue related to my daughter and her friend. This little friend's mom happened to be one of my best friends, so naturally, I dreaded bringing it up. I hate conflict, but I knew we couldn't just brush this under the rug. Every possible negative scenario ran through my head. She's going to be defensive. I'm going to lose her as a friend. She won't want to talk about it. You name it, I thought it. But with my stomach churning, I asked this mom friend for coffee, and we talked through our tough situation. 
We cried, we encouraged each other in our mothering, and we grew even closer together. As moms, we aren't going to do everything right. Our kids are going to make mistakes. We're going to make mistakes. So it's key that we don't let these mistakes and misunderstandings fester. But instead, we communicate, show love, extend grace, and then watch our relationships grow. Number five is don't be jealous, be proud of them. Proverbs 14.30 says, A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. We need to check ourselves and retrain our brains from, I wish I had that, to, I am so happy for her. As women, we should be inspired by one another. If you have a fit friend, ask her for healthy tips. If you have a fashionable friend, ask her for affordable style tips. If you have a chef friend, ask her for cooking tips. Rather than seeing the deficiencies in ourselves, we should celebrate our friend's strengths and learn from her talents and gifts. God has given each of us talents and gifts, so we all add something unique to the body of Christ. Live in that peace and contentment and trust that God has given you exactly what you have for a reason. While I believe that social media can be a great connector and tool to share Jesus, it can also be the catalyst of jealousy between friends. If you tend to fall into jealousy or envy, consider taking a break from social media. Instead, focus on being content with your life. Each day, acknowledge the things that you are grateful for rather than the things you don't have. Instagram is a highlight reel, not always reflective of reality. So keep perspective and stay grateful. Number six is bear each other's burdens. Galatians 6, 2 says, carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. As I was preparing, I asked my daughter, what is the best thing about having friends? And her response surprised me. She said, they make me feel better when I'm sad. Even at 10 years old, these little friends have begun to instinctively support one another. When we share each other's burdens, we share the load and it becomes bearable. As women, we were built to be nurturers and comforters, and we have the privilege of serving our friends in this way. The Bible says, weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. Life can be hard. We are all going to face challenging seasons of illness, loss, sadness, tough marital seasons, wayward children, and prodigals, just to name a few. God gave us female friends to love us through these struggles. There's a quote that says, A friend is someone who knows the song in your heart and can sing it back to you when you have forgotten the words. What friend can you comfort or encourage this week? Number seven is be inclusive, not exclusive. Job 6.14 says anyone who withholds kindness from a friend forsakes the fear of the Almighty. As women, we don't have to be exclusive. We can model female friendships that are inclusive to the watching world, especially for our daughters. When possible, it should be our goal to include liberally. We need to teach our daughters to be welcoming and kind. You never know who needs a moment of connection and an outlet. There are going to be circumstances when gatherings are better in smaller groups or one-on-one, and that's okay too. It's about balance. I find that this is one of the toughest things to manage as adult women. It's not always going to be our turn. We teach that lesson to our kids, but it's challenging to remember when we're the ones excluded or see a social media post. Our natural gut reaction is likely FOMO, fear of missing out, sadness, or jealousy, but those aren't feelings of contentment and thinking the best of our friends. This is a hard pill to swallow, but not everything is about us. And then finally, number eight, listen more than you speak and don't gossip. 
I have two verses for you on this one because this is a challenging one for us ladies. Proverbs 19.20 says, Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. And then Proverbs 16.28 says, A perverse person stirs up conflict and a gossip separates close friends. Communication is the basis of all friendship, and the basis of all communication is listening, really listening hard to what a person is saying. And beyond listening, it's even more important to actually try and understand what your friend is saying. This is true especially when you are talking about something difficult or something you disagree on. Sometimes the desire to be right overwhelms our ability to actually follow through with listening and truly understand the meaning behind our friend's words. We shouldn't listen to come up with good answers. We should listen to actually understand why our friend feels differently than we do before we formulate our response. When we do fall into gossip, oftentimes we are taking our problems to the wrong person. Instead of asking God for wisdom or going directly to the person who is involved in the situation, we complain and gossip about that person to someone else. We take our problems to everyone except the person who can solve them. If you're the recipient of gossip, stop your friend and point them to God's word, prayer, and resolution. Be a trustworthy friend and keep confidence. It's one thing to gain advice and wisdom from a trusted confidant and an entirely different thing to share someone else's business or paint someone else in a negative light. Sometimes it can be hard to remain silent, but we often tell our children, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. As adult women, that should still be our mantra. Okay, that was all eight. Do these eight and you'll be great. Do you feel encouraged or overwhelmed? Don't worry, you don't have to master all eight at once. Focus on two areas. Pick one area that you're already strong in and find ways to leverage that strength. And then pick another area where you struggle and make one small change at a time. If you gossip, break the habit by putting a rubber band around your wrist and flick yourself when you stumble. If you tend to be jealous of your friend's possessions or life and social media fans that flame, take an Instagram break. If you have a tough conversation you've been avoiding, ask that friend a coffee so you can start the conversation. Friendship takes effort, but when done well, we can be the support system for one another that God intended us to be. I want to close with an analogy to bring it full circle. Last month, I was speaking to a senior citizen about Christmas, and he was telling me that when he was young, his parents would save $5 every week for the entire year. That $260 would be the total budget for all the Christmas presents for husband, wife, grandparents, nieces, nephews, cousins, best friends, etc. If you wanted to spend a dollar more on someone, you would have to spend a dollar less on someone else. There was no more money. It was a fixed amount. Adding to someone meant subtracting from someone else. Most of the world works that way. It's called a zero-sum game. But luckily, ladies, friendship doesn't have to be that way. If we grow closer to one friend, that doesn't mean that we have to grow farther from another. There is no fixed budget of friendship points that we have to spread around between our friends. God has an infinite supply of love, and that is the spring from which flows unlimited opportunities for friendship and community. As Christian women, let's choose to be confident in our friendships, share rather than be territorial, and be flexible and gracious as friendships change from season to season. God's word says it best, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. 
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray that you can convict and encourage us in our friendships, Lord. If there's areas where you want us to um, change and make some adjustments, Lord, I pray that you give us that gentle nudge, Lord. And if there's areas where we are just having great success, I just pray that you bless us in those friendships and help us to encourage one another and build each other up, God. We are the salt and light, and you have given us this mission to go out and be disciples of all nations. And so we just pray that through our friendships, non-believers see a difference in us. In your son's name, amen. Ladies, have a great day, and we'll look forward to talking to you next time.